0: FaithFit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presents School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman a program that is seeking to lead young adults to Christ and to enkindle a deeper faith that is fully alive. Now, here are your hosts. Hello and welcome to the School of Humanity podcast. This is episode three. This is Jason Bowman and Rachel Bowman here. And we had a lot of fun last time. We did. We got to talk about silence and how that provides a environment for encounter with Christ. And we ended it with, you know, sort of a cliffhanger.
1: Yeah, we ended it just talking about the fact that um, you encounter Christ and it changes everything. And then it changes things so much and so abruptly that a lot of times it's very difficult to lead a regular life after that, that we have friends and even ourselves included that once we had an encounter with Christ, um, that we then found it difficult to get back into like the swing of things. You know, how do I be around other people? How do I, how do I continue in my day to day life when all I want to do is be with him and be with, be in prayer, to be in silence, to be just finding out more about him? How do I continue to live outside of that new reality?
0: Yeah, I can think of um, a few instances in my life. Actually, you know, we encounter Christ every day. and uh, But there are specific ones, I think. I don't know if you agree. Um, certain instances in your life when sh- uh, like a very certain and more, more profound deepening occurs. And this sort of clarity ensues and, and you you see sort of the superficiality of the culture that you live in you know and you sort of the the things that you valued um, become more rightly ordered and Christ becomes first and so then everything that you do has to change because you know you feel this call to want to be holy to want to be a saint and to love him above all things um, do you feel called to share like a time when that happened in your life or do you want me to speak about mine?
1: Um, no, I mean, I can definitely the, I would, I would continue to just talk about the fact that, well, for me, what I mean when I talk about encounter is is not just your everyday brushes with with the existence of a God who loves you, but it's, it's those moments when He arrests your heart and arrests your existence in such a way that it deepens not just your love for Him, but it deepens your capacity to receive the love that He has for you. And so there are these really beautiful moments that can be turned into encounters with Him. You know, not just just a moment of consolation, but it then becomes a moment of just almost devastation of your person. Um, and I would even consider, you know, if you've, if you've read um, The Discernment of Spirits uh, with Father Timothy Gallagher, in there he talks about um, St. Therese of Lisieux or St. Teresa of Avila when she sees the birds in the garden. Do you remember?
0: That is Therese.
1: And so St. Therese Lisieux, who was in the garden and saw some birds and um, the the mother had taken the birds underneath her wing. And so it was this beautiful moment and she stopped and thought, you know, that's, that's beautiful. You know, what the Lord is, has done with nature and with creation. But then in that moment, she also was reminded of in scripture about how the Lord takes us under his wing and under the mantle of his, his love. We are then, you know, sheltered. And that he's been doing that with her all of his life. And so something that was very mundane became not just a brush with something beautiful, not something that just made her heart, you know, wow, this is great. And so for the rest of the day, this brush with him that had been become an encounter became so overwhelming to her that she cried for the rest of the day. Um, and just couldn't bring herself out of it. And finally, you know, later on in the day, hours had gone by And one of her sisters had asked her, you know, why, what happened? And she was finally able to explain that what had happened was just this encounter with the love of God. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, her finding a new way to love him, but it was a way that Christ opened her heart even more to receive the love that he had always been trying to give her. You know, we don't have the capacity to accept all of the love that Christ gives us, I think it would it would literally burst my heart to to try I, I would have to be like Padre Pio and, and and pray, you know, Lord, please enlarge my heart so that I could love you more. But it gives us this further glimpse and deepening of that love that He has for us. And I just think that um at least that's what I'm speaking of. Is that what you're speaking of love when you speak of encounter or are you speaking of the everyday
0: yeah, I mean, I think it's both. I think that, right. um, I think you did a, a great job illustrating that. I mean, that was a perfect example. Um, because faith is the result, I would say, of an encounter with a person, you know. Um, and much like you and I love each other, and even more so, it's something that you. It, it's a way of knowing it's a type. faith is a is is a type of knowing. Um, but it's not something that you can prove by science, you know, um, your will is almost engaged before your intellect, in a sense, like, for me, you know, after going through a period in college, when I had s- separated myself, you know, from the Lord and from my family, um, I found myself kind of vulnerable and I think the Lord capsized on that and just the overwhelming love that I felt from the Lord and acceptance of who I am it it was almost irresistible to me to respond to that And it was only after that response that I came to know him more and more you know through prayer through uh, our Catholic faith and and divine revelation has been handed down to the church and so you know that was kind of the beginning for me and then you know as we we were talking about earlier um Rachel and I were there was an experience that I went through in PA school which was kind of a a very um it was a period of growth for me because I you know at the same time that we were dating um I was also Getting my master's degree was, was incredibly hard um, in terms of study and, and the demands on me. But at the same time, the Lord was really shaping my heart and tugging at me to where I really... I found it hard to study. I found it hard to want to do anything except for just be in my room in silence and pray.
1: Yeah, and I think its its it's definitely beneficial for everybody to know that during that time too i was going through rcia so we were on two different um different but the same path you know like we were on two different parts of the same path you know discovering the truth and discovering who christ is and um i don't think yeah you did this was after you found out that i was going to rcia wouldn't you say
0: Yes, it was. It was yeah. shortly after.
1: Yeah, yeah I kept RCIA a secret for a while. We'll talk about that another time. But, um, but I remember when Jason was going through this this time of discovery. Um, and I would I would also venture to tell to say that you know discovery of God is discovery of self. You know, the more and more that you discover about Him, the more and more you'll discover about yourself because you were made in His image, you were created in His heart. So as he was discovering God, he's discovering himself. And one night we're on the phone and I remember telling him, you know, I think I was on my way to RCIA and I was just, he was telling me about what the Lord was doing in his heart. And that was the night that you told me that if you didn't marry me, you were going to be a priest. <laughs> um, You would have been a good priest, but uh, not what the Lord called you to. So, and then I went to um, RCIA that night and Shout out to my sponsor, Craig, who is at, uh, this was at Holy, Holy Cross Holy at the Cross, time. Holy Cross, yeah, yeah. And so, um, I am in RCIA and that night after Jason had told me, you know, and I remember being kind of, uh, mad a little bit because <laughs> he was like, you know, if I don't marry you, I'm going to become a priest. And in my mind, I heard, you know, it's really between you and God <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And so I remember praying on my way to RCIA and was just like, Lord, you know, I I can't really compete with you. So if you want him to marry your church and not marry me, I probably didn't say marry your church because I didn't know things like that at that time. But, um, you know, if that's what you want him to do, then you're going to have to do that because I, I can't compete with you. So whatever you want to make happen, make happen. So then I get to RCIA that night and the topic of conversation is holy orders. And, uh, and then I got really mad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I did sob for like 80% of the class, which Craig hadn't known me that well at that point. So I remember when we were walking out to the car afterwards, he was like, so, um, why are you crying in the whole class? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but those, those are the two things that were going on in our lives at the same time. And so how did you, um, what do you think brought about your this deepening for you? Cuz you're in PA school, what were you doing other than studying and and trying to woo me, you know? Cuz that took up like 90% of your time. So the 10% of your time that you were studying, what were you Yeah,
0: I mean I mean I mean like I said I was really drawn to prayer, so I was praying a lot. And um, I was trying to make sense and asking the Lord like what are you doing with my heart right now? I mean all I want to do is to love you and to be with you and serve you with my whole self. And yet, you know, holiness is always found within the reality that's given to you. And at that time, my reality was getting a master's degree uh, so that I can be a medical provider. And then also, you know, this deepening relationship with you and, you know, the tug on my heart that I'm, um might be called to marriage um so it was a great lers- uh, lesson for me in that you know there is no dichotomy there you know there is no what the Lord was really calling me to do was to put him first of course but always in the context of whatever your reality is at that time so you know I think that maybe we could I could talk about the fact that what what was weighing heavy on my heart was the fact that maybe I couldn't give my life completely to Christ unless I was a priest, and so that was a big hurdle for me to get past. Um, again, you know, you have these encounters will slowly come to full fruition, I guess you would say, in your life if you if you trust in the Lord but what eventually happened you know long story short so to say is that i finally realized that you don't have to be a priest to be holy you know or to give yourself completely to christ and i would venture to say that it was that that very fact that i want that christ was first that sort of predisposed me to be able to give myself to you in freedom and not seek from you what you couldn't give me and because only the Lord could, you know. Um,
1: right. I think it's so important that the point that you made about um, the fact that a lot of people, some people, right. think you know I can I can only achieve holiness if I if I choose a a vocation that is not um, married life. You know, I can't. There's no way that I could care about someone else and not uh and still be holy, you know. And so um that's actually been coming up a lot in in our young adult group. It has. Yeah. And um and so that was something that Jason had to learn then and still even after we got married, we dealt with it a little bit. Right? When you yeah, say Yeah,
0: yeah. It took it took a while. It was kind of a process. But, you know, Actually it was the fruit a big a big part of um, conquering that hurdle, if you will, was the fruit of our marriage, which was our children because I remember distinctly, you know when we got pregnant for the second time thinking, um, how could we ever love this second child as much as we love Gabriel, you know But inevitably your heart expands and you do love each child just as much as the first and in a very unique way and and what the reason I bring that up is because my loving you is not cut into my love for God it's not like a pie that you slice into pieces and so I give part of my heart to the Lord and part of my heart to my wife and to my children it's like one big package in fact it only grows the more and more you give of yourself um, I love that, that, um, line from Gaudium at Spes where it says that, you know, man is the only create, uh, creature created for his own sake. And also the only one who comes to know himself truly when he becomes gift of self for the sake of the other, um, which is what love is and why it necessarily means sacrifice. And the Lord has shown us that, um, by becoming human and then of course his ultimate gift of self on the cross and uh in the holy eucharist
1: right now in the um school of humanity we are the young adult group not the podcast um but we are reading a book called life and holiness by thomas merton and um in the book is phenomenal and actually just a really i think it is a pretty easy read when you say love
0: yeah, it definitely is.
1: The um, but in one of the opening sections called "Out of Darkness," he talks about the fact that um, every baptized Christian, which you know the our diocese is beautiful in the fact that they've been holding this young adult last year, they held a young adult night and it was called "Called to Holiness," mm-hmm. which yep. is our first vocation, and so that every, every baptized Christian is obliged by his baptismal promises to renounce sin and to give himself completely without compromise to Christ. And then later on he goes on and he talks about the fact that um, this is not just a call to those who decide to lead a special vocation. Um, and so he says here, For those that decide to lead a special vocation by solemn obligation or religious vows, sanctity is not simply something that is sought as an ultimate end. Sanctity is their profession. They have no other job in life than to be saints, and everything is subordinated to this end, which is primary and immediate for them. Nevertheless, the fact that religious and clerics have a professional obligation to strive for holiness must be properly understood. It does not imply that they are alone alone are fully Christians as if the laity were in some sense less truly Christian and less fully members of Christ than they and so that's just so important for us to remember you know that, that holiness and this striving to, to get to know Christ and allow him to get to know us is not something that is, is a special call you know it's not just something it's not a vocation that is only given to a few when you are baptized that vocation is yours
0: Absolutely, we're all a mem- we all become members of the body of Christ, and we are all called to holiness. And it just the vocation is m- merely sort of a means by which you live out that holiness, a particular call. I love how Saint Paul talks about you know that an arm can't be,
1: you know, right. a leg,
0: and and that analogy I think is beautiful, and it keeps things in the right perspective for us because we shouldn't seek to be anyone other than who we are or to any other calling other than what the Lord has called us to. Right. And it's only when we keep our eyes focused on Christ that we can live with the freedom that is necessary uh, to know what that vocation is in particular.
1: Yeah, and I think that what you said earlier was beautiful about the fact that um, your call to holiness or this this the ability to know him and our capacity to love him is is not just you know i put this thing over here and then i get to be a husband here and then i get to be a pa here and i'm a dad sometimes here and then i'm right but that all of these things it's not compartmentalized
0: yeah i think that you know, there, there's probably a temptation that occurs when people are going through something like what I was describing earlier for PA school, where it's kind of like, well, let me suppress, you know, this desire for prayer because, you know, I'm, you know, uh, my career's got to be first, or let me suppress this because it may get in the way of my desire to be married to Rachel, you know, um. But I love how Benedict, uh, Pope Benedict XVI, um, he, he said, you know, give your entire self to Christ and you will find that you gain everything and that you lose nothing. Um, so that came to be true in my own experience. And um, actually I was talking to a young adult about this very thing uh, recently. Um, a young, a young man, a very smart young man who was sort of, um, toiling with that notion of like, you know, giving yourself completely to the Lord and how it, you know, interferes with your life and and things. So, um.
1: yeah. And I think the other temptation that comes along with, um, at least for us, you know, of course, everything that we say here is not, not really across the board, except for the fact that you are called to holiness. with your baptismal promise (laughs) but the these these various things that we've encountered are our own you know our own um experiences and for me I know that after an encounter with God that is just um so arresting that there's this temptation of loneliness that comes after that um because now your heart has been for me my heart had been changed in such a way that then it makes you feel like, gosh, I really can't live my life now. Like, I, I don't know how to to be a mom outside of this, and I don't know how to be a wife outside of this. I don't know how to go get groceries, or I don't know how to be around other people and have a normal conversation about the weather when I just want to pray, you know? And so then what ends up happening is that the enemy starts to placate on that and says, you know, well, you can't be around anybody because you're lonely, because it's really only you who has ever felt like this. You're just, this is incredibly ridiculous that you've had an encounter with, with God. Um, and then tries to tell you that you're just alone. And so there can be some despair that comes with that. But the enemy, of course, takes, takes things. He loves to take things that are, are truths and, and twist them in such a way that they become a lie and they confuse us. And so that's what he's been doing since the beginning, you know, because he's not creative. He's not going to come up with a, a new idea. He's going to take the thing that is already the truth and twist it in such a way where it somehow benefits him. And so he takes what is solitude and turns it into loneliness. Right. And those are two things that can be very easily confused, you right. know, right. that the Lord is calling you into sol- solitude with him to be to get to know him. And to allow him to know you, um, but that solitude, the enemy says, you know, that's not solitude. There's no peace there. It's loneliness, um, but it is solitude that is beautiful. It's such a beautiful thing to be called into, um, I would call it like a, a community of being so- in solitude, right? Um, a community of people. You know, I it was it was really beautiful. I'm sure she will never hear this, but Sister Miriam, um, who was at Ascension last. is Ascension? Ascension? Yes.
0: Whichever one's in Melbourne.
1: Yep. We're blowing it. Um, <laughs> down, and and we were down there for a, a young adult, a college retreat last summer. And um, there's just this beautiful moment that when I was leaving, we were talking about the weekend and, and I just... I, we weren't able to stay for adoration that night and I said uh, I said yeah we have to leave and she's like oh, okay and she said well you know I'll be thinking of you tonight um, during adoration and I just looked at her and she looked at me and I said tell him hello for me and and just the exchange of looks then was this look like I know what you mean Yeah. you know I, I know what you mean yeah. for me to tell him that you miss him Kind of, you know, and it was just a it was just a single moment, but I knew that our hearts were one in that moment. Yeah. Um, she may listen to this and be like crazy stalker girl from um, <laughs> Ascension, but um,
0: no, no, she would not.
1: <laughs> but there's just these beautiful things that happen when your heart is is turned in such a way that you it's almost like there's this band of brothers that and I'm a girl that then come together, but you're able to communicate about this heart that you all know and where your heart is rooted.
0: I'm really, really glad you brought this up, Rachel, about the whole solitude thing because I think that that um, is or was the the sort of overwhelming feeling I had uh, during PA school was in one sense the solitude was beautiful, like you you said. I mean, actually, it is absolutely fulfilling. Um, Mm -hmm. But in the other sense, it's like, you can't relate to a lot of people around you unless you're just fortunate to be around others who have gone through that. Um, and so you are tempted to feel lonely and despair and those kind of things. And I I think that the, what happens, a big part of that, what what came to mind as you were speaking was that, you know, Christ, that the Lord goes from an idea to a person. Right. You know? Like And and that's exactly what you were expressing to uh, Sister Miriam. And
1: I think the other thing, too, I mean, we always liken the fact that everything goes back to this relationship with God. And it's the same thing when you meet a person um, like Jason and I. You know, when we met each other, you know, you always say, people always say, you know, when you're starting a new relationship with each other, with someone, you get to know who your real friends are, you know, because they either are okay with you being in a relationship and they still want to hang out with you and you can hang out with them while you're still trying to discover this new relationship or they all abandon you and <laughs> no one wants to be your friend anymore. Um, but it's the same thing I would yeah. venture to say yeah, that it's... you meet Jesus and you develop yeah. this beautiful relationship with him and you're in the midst of developing it and some things don't work after that. You know, you're going to have friendships that just you look at them and you say, wow, I don't, I don't know what we were doing for one another. There's no altruism here. There's no growth in this friendship, or in, in different relationships in life that you will discover. That as you discover Christ, you know those things could be hindrances for you. Um,
0: Absolutely.
1: So, but we are we're close to the end of our time, no. and uh, <laughs> we don't want to go. Um, but we so love these these moments with um you. You one person that listens to us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but thank you guys so much. And um, we are praying for each of you and praying for your encounters. And please pray for us that we would continue to encounter him, not only him in and of himself, but also him that we find in one another and our marriage and our children and every person that we meet. May our hearts be open to him. Amen. Amen. God bless you. FaithFit Radio and the Diocese of Orlando presented School of Humanity with Jason and Rachel Bowman. Thank you for listening. Check out
0: the podcast at faithfitradio.org and tune in next time. May you be blessed with peace and joy.